you can turn events into referrals. So today on the Pollinator Podcast, we have with us a lady who is a powerhouse in the Miami market. She is a family law attorney with all kinds of credentials and experiences. She has about 20 years of experience in practicing law. She started off in family and probate law, took time off to be a mom and to pursue her entrepreneurial bent in uh, the scrapbooking world before deciding to come back and uh, practice law full-time and build her own firm, which has been rapidly growing, has been named in one of the fastest growing law firms in uh, America at various points. And that has largely come through the development of referral partners and through not a lot of the uh, advertising that we see attorneys do. And so I have asked her to come on today and talk about what has worked, what maybe has not, and how she's been able to develop that uh, over these last several years. So Vanessa Vasquez, thank you very much for being here with us today. Of course. Thanks for having me, Will. So let's jump right into the, the big lesson and you know, on the, the magic board back here. You said that referrals require relationships. And this is something yep. that people are missing so often because everybody knows, I say everybody knows, but most people I think recognize that uh, you know, your referrals tend to be your best clients, or we all hear that referrals are your you know, least expensive client. Um, and it, it's just generally better when people come to you through referrals, but always the pushback on trying to, to get more referrals is like, oh, it just takes a lot of time and it's unpredictable. And, you know, you never know when it's going to happen. It's always nice to get them, but you can't just rely on referrals. And, and you've kind of had a a little bit of a different experience with that in uh, at least getting to, to a certain point in, in your firm's growth. So Definitely. what does this mean? So, you know, this is a lesson that uh, you helped to teach way back when, when I was in BNI, um, where the purpose of BNI is always to build relationships that you refer business to people that you know, like, and trust. And when I was in BNI, I started to keep track of the cases that we were receiving from BNI and from other sources. And I came to the realization that our referrals were our biggest source of clients and our best conversion rates were with clients that were coming from referral sources, whether from BNI or from anywhere else. But I also realized that I didn't have a good way of spending money on it. So as, as an attorney, you kind of are pre-programmed, let's say, to think that, you know, you got to do advertising, you got to do marketing, you got to spend money on, on leads, or you have to spend money on, you know, TV or radio or whatever the case might be. And the reality is that many attorneys and many business owners really undervalue the ability to get referrals and to, and the fact that you need to build relationships with those referral sources. And so what I started doing is figuring out, okay, well, I don't have a good way of sort of spraying money to referral sources. I, we are not re- allowed by the Florida Bar to pay for referrals to people that are not co-counsels and attorneys. So there really isn't a way of sort of spending money and, and getting some referrals back. But right. that fancy little like referral program and, you know, oh, you get $100 or something like that, like you might right. get from, you know, some other businesses or the loyalty program or those kind of things is absolutely forbidden in the, uh, in the practice of law. A lot of people don't realize that. Exactly. So ultimately, what I landed on was creating events and being able to provide something of value to people uh, that would either be a value to them personally or be a value to their business. And that's when I started doing in-person lunch and learns way before COVID. 
Uh, and I was getting people together and teaching them about running a business. I did come to the realization that for our firm, our best source of referrals were other attorneys. Because if you don't do family law, you will typically not want to take that on, even if it's somebody that you know, or even when somebody tells you, no, this is really simple. We agree to everything. <laughs> so those, those attorneys do tend to be our best referral sources. So I started creating those events where I was able to not talk about myself, but actually provide something of value, bringing in vendors, bringing in speakers that would speak to any aspect of running a business, but particularly running a law firm. So that's going to be your HR people, payroll people, you've spoken, marketing people, anything that really is able to help an attorney who owns typically a small or solo, a small firm or a solo who wants to run their firm, you know, in a better way. So we're bringing speakers to talk about what are some of the some of those better ways. And that's kind of how it started out. From there, we started branching out into social events, into um, ladies' night out, gentlemen's night out, uh, family night out, wine nights. And after, even after COVID started, we really felt that it was important to sort of maintain those relationships that we had built with the people that have been coming or that are always thinking that they're going to make the next one. So then our events did go virtual. And now we're talking about chocolate and alcohol and, uh, you know, getting together over the, over the, uh, the Zoom internet. Yeah, so that these events have really been a, a key thing for you because it is a way to to foster that connection, right? And we we used to talk about in, in all of our networking organizations, like the most basic level of of trust and credibility is just that frequency of interaction and that familiarity. And mm-hmm. while it works in some some ways in some contexts, when you're looking at developing those referrals from kind of a, a general population or a larger network, even if it is your, your professional network, you know, it really does come down to how frequently are you interacting with these people? And by and large, my experience also tells me that people are more likely to refer to somebody that they have had a, an in-person experience, even if it is over Zoom, right? So, but still there's been that, that personal interaction with them that already is like puts you miles ahead if uh, if they don't already have some kind of like super intense uh, personal relationship with that person already, just right. being in the space and just having them know like, yeah, I know, I know a family law attorney. You're like, oh, I know somebody that can help with marketing or, or whatever it may be. If they're aware that you do this kind of thing and you're interacting with them on a monthly basis or even more, then you're probably going to be the person that's top of mind. And, and I, a lot of people, I believe, discount just the value of frequency of interaction. Yeah, I mean, and, and the fact that we do events, I mean, we do try at this point in time to do about one event a month, give or take. Um, so maybe about 10 a year. And the fact of the matter is that if you've been to our events, now you're on our list. So now you're getting the emails about our events. So you might have joined our Facebook, you know, you might have liked our, our firm's Facebook or our firm's Instagram. So you're able to see exactly what is going on there and exactly what, you know, and, and you're reminded every time that you get that email that talks about an event, every time that you see the post, you're reminded about what I do, even though I don't actually ever really discuss what I do in, right. our, uh, in, in any of our events. I'm, I'm normally not a speaker. And, I, and if I am a speaker, it's typically about something that relates to running my firm 
not specifically about here's what a great family attorney I am. Right. Because we, we assume that they naturally see that too. Right. And because they're going to, people will naturally start to, to look you up. And, and again, back to frequency for interaction with lawyers that are referring you, that's going to be somewhat more important because generally other lawyers that you meet are going to, they're going to know a lot of other family lawyers that they could refer things to. And so there's going to be a lot of other kind of calculus that goes into, all right, who do I want to refer this out to? And, and we'll get into to that a little bit more uh, later. But, you know, if you're, if you're interacting with, with folks that aren't going to naturally have those connections and now you're that person that they personally know, and they at least know a little bit about what you do and that you have some credibility and that you've been successful and they can do a quick search on Google or Facebook or see, you know, other people commenting or, or saying how great you are. That's going to, to go so far in terms of them being able to, to just you know, post on Facebook. You know, we see those, we see those referrals coming into the firm all the time where somebody says, oh yeah, I was referred by so-and-so. We're like, who, who is this? And it was somebody that had met you at an event. You didn't really have a whole relationship with, but now they're on their list. They saw your post happening on Facebook. Maybe, Maybe. they showed up to an event once a year, and uh, but you were top of mind and they felt like you were their family attorney that they knew and they could refer because that made them look good with that person who was in, in, a, you know, in a jam, in a very difficult situation and right. wanted to have somebody that was connected or known and not just have to be relying on reviews or questions answered on some lawyer side or something like that. So right. that, that speeds up the process a whole lot. And it's important to, to continue to, to nurture those things. Yep. And I mean, we do try to make sure I do try personally to make sure that once we've received referrals that I'm also reaching out, thanking them, whether with a gift, with an invitation to another event, whether um, just getting together. I recently, we had a few cases that were referred by an attorney that I didn't actually personally know. So I told my staff, schedule me lunch with her. Let me, let me get to know her a little better. Let me see how I can, you know, bring her into our, uh, our ecosphere and maybe refer some cases back to her. So, you know, she knew one of our associates, but she'd never met me. And it was, and it was so interesting because when we had lunch, she was like, yeah, I, I, I was hoping that I would be able to pick your brain on some things. I'm like, I'm an open book. Tell me what you need to know. So, you know, so my, I guess my reputation about being open to sharing and, and being willing to talk about, you know, our, our business practices and everything we do had already preceded me so that she was, you know, excited about being able to sort of pick my brain on, on some things for her office. And, and that was really gratifying. So not only did she trust us by sending us those referrals, but, you know, that she actually wanted to, you know, see how we do things. So, you know, that that can only be built with those relationships. And, and the deeper the relationship, obviously, the, the more vetted those referrals are and, and the more frequent they become. Now, there have been even, even questions like inside your firm, too, about, you know, the value of investing this. Because it's certainly... You know, people can go out and join networking groups or show up to events and kind of be around, have that open personality, um, you know, try to be helpful wherever they can. You can go online, answer questions in places. There's lots of ways to, to go and add value and kind of develop those relationships. But I mean, you have seriously invested in doing that and you find some sponsorships for some of these events and other things. So you're not always coming out of pocket, but still 
the time on on your part, which is obviously very valuable, and you you are are not a uh, uh, cheap attorney in Miami for uh, uh, people to to hire you by the hour. <laughs> And then your staff also, whose time is valuable, that goes into uh, to planning and executing these events, you know, and, right. and say, I've, I've been a part of some of those and been able to see behind the scenes, like what all goes into making those happen. Right. And it can be difficult because, you know, sometimes there is that, that immediate return, right? Somebody there's like, oh my gosh, I just had so-and-so and I need to refer them to you and they're going to be coming this and you get that amazing thing, but that doesn't, that doesn't always happen. And right. sometimes it's, a year or more down the, the road. And, and sometimes they're coming out of the blue. And so this whole idea of attribution, which is very, very popular in marketing right now, um, it's, it's probably the most difficult channel to try and measure the return on investment. But what do you say to that? But the reality is, and I hate to interrupt you, but I just wanted to jump in on that. The reality is that we see it in the fact that we are getting referrals. So we may not be able to connect it one-to-one like, oh, this is the person that I met at the Women's Chamber event that then a month later, uh, you know, was able to uh, create something, you know, and, and create that, that referral for us. That's definitely going to be very difficult. But the reality is that we receive, last month, I think we had 200 leads come into our office and at least 50 of those were referrals. So the, the, the truth of the matter is that the amounts that we are spending are not anywhere near commensurate for the amount of leads that we're receiving from those referrals. And so, not just leads, but the, the conversion, right? Because that's 25% of the leads, but as you say, it's over 50% of consistently, you know, month after month. And we've been looking at these, these numbers for four years now yeah. that over half on any given month of the, the converted places, the new clients that, that retain services will be from referral sources. And that is that has remained the same. And it has uh, fortunately increased as we started to do more of these events and, and uh, initiate some other programs and things like that. But as we've increased some of the other, you know, kind of paid spend or directory listing or all of those things, because you do need those things and it is important. And those are, those are the ones to scale, but I, I, you know, I remember having these conversations like, all right, we can scale that faster, but it's not going to scale proportionally. And we have to be prepared right. for that to, right. to, to be able to work that into the overall metric. Right. And right. if we I mean, like everything, like, you can put all your eggs in one basket. So we are not relying on referrals solely because yeah, it, maybe it's a bad month. Maybe everybody's on vacation and, you know, maybe a global pandemic hits and, Exactly. So you do have to have, you know, a, a good breadth of marketing. But the, the, the reality is that relationships with the key people that can refer those cases simply pay off in a much better way. And the return on investment, which is minimal. I mean, when I when we have a live lunch and learn, we're literally spending about forty dollars to feed somebody if we don't have it um, already sponsored by by an underwriter. So I'm spending $40 to feed you lunch, but you're going to remember the fact that I took you to a nice lunch, that I gave you information that you could use in your own law firm, that I was nice to you because I'm nice to everybody. And, and hopefully that- and, and you created an environment where they could interact and network with other people and maybe get some other relationships out of that as well. Exactly. 
exactly. So, you know, the, the, the fact that those kinds of things are out there and that we're doing those kind of things and that we are, you know, getting people sort of together in a more intimate environment, whether it's a lunch or our wine event or our chocolate events, you know, I, I feel like if you go to any of our chocolate events, people know each other and they don't know each other in real life, but they're like, yeah, that's the, the lady with the really interesting combination that she wants cow to try out. <laughs> You know, or those are the people with the great suggestions for wine. So, I mean, you you start to see some of the people and, you know, it, it makes for a really fun event and it makes for, you know, being able to, to deepen those relationships with those people so that you do become the person that they go to. Sometimes not just on issues of family law. I get calls on other issues just because they assume that that I must be an expert of some sort. So sometimes even on unrelated things that we don't handle, we'll get calls from, you know, people that that refer us family cases like, hey, do you actually know somebody that does X? And for the most part, we do. And so we're also able to, you know, turn around and, and make those referrals back out to other professionals and other experts that we've worked with or that refer cases to us. So there's there's so many other points that I, I'd, I'd love to, to kind of dig into, like one, measuring excess. Uh, success through um, just emulation of of what you're doing is is one of them. Um, innovation during COVID and kind of having that as a as, as a core, I think, is a, a key thing that that we could talk about. And then just the the idea of you know keeping the the ecosystem right, or you know use that farm analogy, like you know keeping your soil fertile. You know, it doesn't create this this return, but let, let me jump back to, to one of the other ways. And you talk about measuring success. One of the things, and I don't think we've, we've ever maybe directly talked about it. Like we've kind of known, but in terms of getting the referral or the getting the return on like all these processes, when you still see other people starting to ask you about how you're doing this and then copying it and then like teaching other people how to do it, like that should be a pretty key indicator. And you've definitely had that through some of the other programs and networks that you're in, like people actively coming to you because they recognize your success and you bring up these numbers. And then another interesting thing that, you know, a lot of people wouldn't necessarily uh, assume like the, the participation fees happen in the, the legal industry a lot. So between attorneys, right, you can share credit and some responsibility on the cases and take a, a portion of the that, that retainer fee, which right. is technically not a referral fee, according to the, the Bar Ethics Committee, but it is commonly called that in the, in the vernacular. You don't pay a lot of those relative to, to what you're, a lot of your peers do. And I, I think that's a, like you, you they're, they're definitely there, but I mean, I remember bringing to you these conversations like, all right, well, I know, you know, so-and-so, you know, they typically pay 20, 25%, da, 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 da. You're like, yeah, we don't, we don't always pay that. Sometimes we have those relationships, but it's not like this natural thing. People just send us referrals because they know we're going to do a good job. And so right. that's, I think that's a, an interesting thing. And when people start to see that and learn that, like, oh, investing in these relationships, like developing these relationships right. doesn't mean I have to pay out 25% every time I get a referral. I think that's a, a key indicator of success in and of itself. I think that, you know, so in whenever you're doing participation, you know, in a case, you're required to both have responsibility, like you mentioned. And most people don't want to have responsibility over a family case. <laughs> so the reality is that 
that's something that most attorneys, when they refer them out, they just kind of like push them out the door. I don't want to hear about this. I don't want to know about it. And they don't want to have that responsibility for the case. And so they just send them over. It's also something that our network is so broad that when we look at who's sending us cases, it's not even like I could tell you, okay, well, we have, uh, you know, like these 10 people and we get 90% of our referrals are from these 10 people. We actually have 90 people and we get one referral from each person. So, I mean, right. it, it lends itself to show the breadth of our network because we get so many one-offs from people, you know, on, on any given year. We have some referral partners that, you know, that, that might send a few more. But the truth is that there aren't a lot of non-family attorneys that get calls for, you know, family cases. There might be a former client that says, oh, now I'm getting a divorce, so I need a lawyer. Do you know somebody? But it, it's not very frequent, which means that there aren't a lot of referrals coming from any one source. It really is a very broad category of people that are sending those things over. And so that really makes for our, you know, the way that we're connecting with everybody needs to be broader, needs to be something that's not as specific. I'm not inviting 10 people out to dinner because we're my top referral sources. We are connecting with, you know, the thousand people that are on our list every time that we have an event. Well, and we'll, we'll come back to kind of connecting with those top referral sources because I, I think that's one of the, the newer initiatives there. But I think it's it's worth mentioning that and, and diving into this uh, a little bit more because I, I know I've seen some of those people that have tried to emulate what you do and they've even reached out to, to me to be a, a speaker. Or, oh, I know you spoke at, at well, you know, one of Vanessa's events. Like, can you kind of help us this? Like, da, 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 da. And like, oh, how, how can we get you know, more people to show up? We're not having people. And like, all right, how many people have you invited? And then they have this very little list. It's like, oh, we invited a hundred people. Like, no, no, no. Vanessa <laughs> invites like 4,000 people. Like she's very active in promoting it. And so you have to also understand that law of big numbers. Like, you've probably put that event in front of 4,000 people to get 40 responses and to get 25 people to actually show up the day of, yeah. right? And that's happening on a, a quarterly basis. And people don't necessarily like to, to hear that, but it's just, it's the reality because we're all busy. And as you say, in this particular field, for some people it might you know, work different in, in different areas where a lot of people push this idea of, oh, have this very small, but very active network and you know they would talk about that in in uh bni and other things like you kind of have this power team of, of stuff but that doesn't always work in every everything and it's it's better to have in your case it's better to have this broad network of people that can send you one case a year right than trying to really narrow it down and exclude all those people because you know we did kind of that pareto principal analysis and like, all right, where are 80% of your referrals coming from? Are they coming from 20% of your, your network? And it actually didn't, it wasn't that way, right? Like you say, there was a handful of people that were the superpower uh, referral folks. And like, maybe they were sending 10 referrals in a, in a year, maybe more than okay. one a month, but over 90% of those folks only sent one or uh, one or two. And you've got to maintain that that entire networking ecosystem to be able to do that, but you can do it in a low touch way, like you've been able to show where it's not super intensive. And I started out with simply going through my email, my associate going through her email and figuring out, making a list of every attorney that we knew. 
And so the list started out small. It started out with a few hundred, you know, a few hundred attorneys. So it's not something that, you know, people I think feel daunted and think like, oh my goodness, how am I going to figure this out? Or how am I going to start? You can start with a hundred, but then you need to make sure that you're building that. And that every time that somebody new shows up or registers or, you know, is, is present at your event, that they now get added to your list. So your 200 turns into 250, turns into 350. We've been doing these events for a really long time. So our list is bigger just because we've been doing it for a long time. But that doesn't mean that you can't start wherever you're at. It doesn't mean that you can't host a lunch or a wine night or a virtual chocolate night with 10 people. Now that you have those 10, probably 20 registered, 10 showed up, but now your list just went up by 20 people. So you know, so it, it really is sort of a, a figuring out who you know and starting from there, but it's simple enough to be able to expand that. And you want to make sure that you're nurturing them. So, I mean, we we continue to do events. We continue to send invitations to different kinds of things. Right now we have a lunch and learn scheduled. Right now we have a wine night scheduled. One is a lunch, one is a night. Right now we have a program scheduled with a financial advisor. Um, you know, so we're planning an anniversary party. We're planning, you know, so it's, there's also a good variety of things at different, you know, different times so that anybody really is able to, um, you know, to, to get involved because there's different right. things at different times for different kinds of people. And we're really able to, uh, we're really able to maximize by making sure that our list continues to grow. But the other thing that we do is we have a newsletter that's dedicated only to those referral partners. And so we are highlighting them. We are demonstrating, you know, that, that we care about our referral partners. We are helping them by telling them, here's a connection between family law and different areas of laws, or here's a connection of family law and, and something maybe that you didn't know that maybe would come up in your uh, regular day life. And so that's something that, you know, that I take a lot of pride in because it helps people to see that we're, we're working at staying top of mind, that we are working at staying connected to those referral partners. And particularly with that one, I know it's not 100% attorneys that are on that list, but it is you know, more uh, the, the professionals that tend to, to refer you back, not just previous clients or whatnot, but that professional right. network. And so the, the other interesting thing that sets that apart from you know, what most people do in just their general newsletter is, you know, you're able to put in content that is at a little bit higher level, right? Something that attorneys would appreciate uh, a little bit more than just the general population or, or being able to, to speak at that level and speak about technical things that, like you say, are going to resonate with them and be useful to them. And one of my other mentors, um, the thing that he's been talking about lately is this idea of fair value exchange, right? So it's not that you're sending referrals back to them because just like, you know, you, people might not come to the PI attorney or the uh, intellectual property attorney for a family law matter, like people aren't necessarily right. coming to you to get a trademark, right? So you're not necessarily right. referring back all the time, but you are adding value. You are giving people these opportunities to connect. You're giving them valuable information. You're highlighting them and helping them to, to broaden their networks as well. And just the credibility that you've built over that time, like 
now you can, and, and we've even added like CLEs into the, to the mix. So people are, are getting some of those requirements out of the way. They're meeting judges because you kind of have enough weight to, to be able to get a judge to say, yeah, I'll come out to this lunch and speak about well, you know, what's going on with COVID and shutdowns and, and everything else, right? right? And so that that idea of being creative around a fair value exchange and sure. keeping those people in network. So it isn't just this one way or isn't just, hey, send me work because I'm a good attorney. Right. There really is developing that, that relationship. So you've mentioned it a couple of times, but just so people kind of kind of understand, like talk about these virtual chocolate events because virtual chocolate doesn't really sound appealing. Like I need, I want the real stuff. Right. So, so what, what the heck is that? So a virtual chocolate event is where you, you invented, by the way, and we're going to give you credit for uh, at least with uh, the, the vendor that we use. I sure hope so. But, um, you know, the chocolate events are a lot of fun because the reason it started is because we had planned a chocolate event in the office, a wine and chocolate night in March of 2020. And unfortunately, you know, you rest is history. COVID hit and, and everybody went virtual. But I still thought, well, I still need to keep, you know, connected to my people. This is when we were all thinking that this was not going to last. Um, and I spoke with our vendor and, you know, and, and I was able to, to ask him, well, listen, I still want to do this. So how do we figure this out so that you deliver the chocolates and then we just meet on Zoom and then we just have the chocolates and that way we're not together in person. But, you know, this is when everybody was trying to figure out doing happy hours and doing doing things where they were seeing people since they weren't actually physically seeing people. And, you know, from there, it kind of, it kind of took off and uh, Cal chocolates, which is the, uh, the company that we use. It's a local. Fantastic by the way. Yep. For sure. For sure. And, uh, you know, they, they've really worked with us to create some really unique experiences from, you know, we started out with just, okay, well, Here's uh, how do you do, how do you taste chocolate? So they, you know, the initial box had, you know, like a crappier commercial chocolate and, you know, and, and different ways of, okay, you, how does it sound? How does it taste? How does it this? How does it smell? To, you know, we've, we've developed it so that we've done pairings with wine, pairings with Prosecco, pairings with um, hard liquor. We've done events in person again, where they've supported, you know, my foundation, the Supreme Scholars Foundation, and we were able to host a live and virtual chocolate tasting um, with Ricardo. And, uh, you know, we, the last one that we did, we actually need to schedule the next one. But the last one that we did, he asked people to make suggestions about what are some flavors that you think would be interesting. And people put them on the chat, there were at least 20 or 25 flavors. And we, he had me save that chat and send it to him. And he sent me a message a few weeks ago, says, I did it. I've got six new flavors for your next tasting from the chat, you know, from the flavors that uh, people suggested. So it's a lot of fun. I'll make sure I'm on the next virtual one then. For sure. For sure. And, and it's been great because it's allowed people all over the country to join us. You know, we have attorney friends all over the U.S., family members all over the U.S., and, you know, they order their chocolates, and the chocolate comes in the mail, and they get to, you know, they get to to feel involved and, and together with us, which which is great, 
We get to see them. We get to talk to them. We get to, you know, we do a lot of fun polls when we do our chocolate tastings. Um, Oh yeah. Especially those ones pairing with wine and uh, other spirits. The, uh, the polls and the chats get rather spirited. And and just the, the the other interesting thing about that, because that was a longstanding relationship and you would you know, use those chocolates for events, but also as gifts and things like that too. Yeah. But the other interesting thing is like, that was, that was a key thing for, for Cal as well. And at the beginning of the pandemic and you know, he had this retail shop and that was pretty much shut down, but because of what you started there, it kind of like sparked the light bulb. And now he's doing those events for Google and for like massive fortune 500 companies all over the place. And it's totally shifted his business. And so continuing to, to add value out and develop that that network of relationships, looking for ways to exchange value without just it being quid pro quo, I right. think is very very key. I wanted to to get into uh, you know some of the the things you're doing. You were very excited about you know giftology and looking at ways to to increase value and, and finding those high value stuff. Maybe you can take just a minute to to do that because I know we have to get back to our busy days. But um, kind of taking this now to the to the next level where events are coming back in, in style, but we've, we have been doing more analysis and kind of digging down into the value of, of certain referral relationships and, and looking for ways to continue and, and up that value even more for those folks that don't just, are not just sending referrals, but are, are, are sending a lot of referrals that are actually converting into clients. And yeah, yeah. so talk to, talk to me about that and why that whole kind of giftology philosophy spoke to you. Cause I, I, I think you really have a, uh, a solid grasp on this whole idea more so than, than a lot of people do. Yeah. So, I mean, I personally, you know, one of my love languages is gifting. So, you know, I love uh, receiving gifts and I love giving gifts. So, you know, when, when I think you sent me the book, when I read giftology, the book, it really resonated um, because it makes a lot of sense. It's sort of putting out into, you know, the universe, this, uh, um, you know, not treating others the way that you would want to be treated, but also just making people feel special. And the the entire concept of giftology is don't just give out tchotchkes to everybody that you know, so that they will hopefully keep that tchotchke around and, and think of you. Yeah. But to, to do that, to create that deeper relationship with, you know, with a, a smaller group, but making it exceptional, you know, having that um, gift be something that is so memorable that they will talk to talk about you to people that they know that they will you know think of you whenever something that is in your sphere comes up it you know it's it's a really great way of of you know like like we're talking about deepening those relationships and and I mean it's nice to just kind of put those kind of feelings out into the world you know making people right. Uh, special and and having you know where we love to do engraved things we've helped us out with that and it's it's there's research that's been done that people love to see their name on things right um, and not your brand stop putting your brand on tchotchkes and and to pretending like they're gifts when right. you know it's really a favor and a promotional item exactly. to, to do because like you say if somebody comes over to, to somebody's <laughs> house and they see you know, this nice, you know, serving board or that, that engraved wine opener or whatever, uh, uh, 
something that that is unique and something that is exceptional and it has their family name engraved on it, like they're going to ask them about it. And now it became that opportunity. Whereas if somebody came in one, they're not going to put out that serving board where you engraved your stupid logo on it because what's the point of that? Right. Like that doesn't even make any sense. Right. But if somebody did see that, then they would just kind of, they say, okay, you, you, you want to advertise for this family lawyer. Like that's a little weird, but okay. And it's probably not going to go anywhere in a conversation. So really think about things that, that people will, will value and, and that is not self-serving in any way. And then the ironic thing is it ends up serving you that much better because it makes and develops this relationship. So, well, Vanessa, I appreciate your time that you've been able to invest here and to everybody that listens and listens and watches, listens to and watches these episodes and uh, can take some of these lessons. And I really, if, if people wanted to get in contact with you to, to, to maybe pick your brain and understand a little bit more, you know, you might, might be a little far out on the calendar to, to be able to get on your calendar, but how would people get into contact with you? Or if they're having some kind of difficult issue with their family, because when family problems become legal problems, you can help, right? For sure. So I can be reached on my email, which is Vanessa with a double S at familylawprotection.com, or they can hop on our website, which is familylawprotection.com. If they have a legal problem, they can schedule a case evaluation right there. And, you know, we are typically scheduling, you know, within 24 to 48 hours. So we can get you in pretty quickly. But if you just want to pick my brain, take me to lunch, take me to coffee, just shoot me an email and I'll make sure that I make that happen. All right. Even if it's virtual and over Zoom. Even if it's virtual. All right. Well, I hope everyone that is listening can take all of these lessons that Vanessa has been able to, to share with us about events and using those to deepen those relationships and apply them in your business, getting your hands dirty, growing something great. Be well.